Good morning, Living Stones. It is great to be with you guys today. Um, it is a special day. I, I love Baptism Sundays. It, it's always one of my favorite things that we get to do as, as a ministry. I get to participate in as a pastor. And so I, I'm excited to be able to uh, join. We have four uh, young people getting baptized today, which is going to be, uh, it, it's just going to be a great time. And so uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to that at the end of our service time here today. All right, I'm totally going to embarrass them, but like, all right, can we just give a hand to the Newkirks back there? They just had a new baby, what, a week ago? And you're here at church. <laughs> it's good to see you guys. I, beautiful, beautiful baby girl. So I'm, I'm excited. I, I, I'm going to have to come make her acquaintance after we're done here. So, um, But I'm, I'm excited. We are continuing our, and actually concluding, our series that we've uh, started a couple weeks ago that we are calling Baggage. And, and I want to begin by showing uh, you a picture of somebody that some of you might be familiar, familiar with, some of you might not. If you don't mind putting that picture of Chuck Colson up on the screen. Um, now, in November of 1969, Chuck Colson, he was appointed special counsel to President Richard Nixon. And Chuck Colson, he was often referred to as Nixon's hatchet man. Like, there, there were a lot of people that didn't have many nice things to say about Chuck Colson. He was written about in the media as Nixon's hard man, an evil genius of an evil administration, that he was valuable to President Nixon because he was, quote, willing to be ruthless to get things done. Like, he, he was the one that actually wrote the memo that became Nixon's uh, enemies list, if, if you guys are familiar with that. Um, he even pro proposed bombing the Brookings Institute. Um, and, and so, like, in, in short, like, Chuck Colson was not a good guy. And if, if there was a, a scandal, if there was something negative going on in the, in the Nixon administration, Chuck Colson was probably somewhere in the middle of it. And, and if there is one controversy that the Nixon administration is obviously most known for, it would be the Watergate scandal, where the, the Watergate building was broken into, the DNC headquarters, and Chuck Colson was actually one of the, one of the men that was sentenced to prison for his role in the break-in of the, the Watergate scandal. Um, shortly before going to prison, though, Chuck Colson had an encounter with God. He gave, he gave his life, life to Christ and was radically changed in that moment. Now, there were many that were somewhat skeptical of Chuck Colson's conversion. Um, many thought it was kind of a, a convenient change of heart, convenient timing for him. But after he served his time in prison for the Watergate scandal, he actually became so moved and so concerned for those that he had met in prison that, in fact, if you could put up the, the next picture of Chuck Colson, he, in 1976, he founded what's called Prison Fellowship. And if any of you are familiar with prison ministry or anything, it, it's the largest prison ministry in the United States. It's active in over 1,000 prisons in all 50 states and ministers to near a half million inmates every single year. And they share Jesus with people who have come in, into contact with the criminal justice system. Like Chuck Colson, he was definitely a guy who had some baggage in his past. He was a guy who did some things and participated in some things that he definitely regretted and wished that he could go back and undo. But one of the things that I find so intriguing about the mess that was Chuck Colson's life prior to his encounter with God is that he didn't try to, let me, let me say it this way, he actually embraced his past. He owned his story. He, he allowed his story of redemption 
to be an encouragement to millions of people who've been caught up and involved in, in our criminal justice system. And so there, there, are, there are literally millions of lives that have been touched because Chuck Colson was willing to say, this is who I was, but this is who Jesus has made me now. That song we, we sang just a few moments ago, I've been redeemed. I'm not the same man that I used to be. That was Chuck Colson's mantra. And, and, and millions of people heard his story, heard about what Jesus did for him, heard what God did in his life, and have been changed. And so as we're concluding our, our series that we're calling Baggage, like we've been tackling some tough issues in this series. And, and I've had a, a number of really good conversations with, with several of you throughout this. I, the, one of the messages we talked about, just forgiving. How do we get forgive somebody? How do we move on from the people that have hurt us, who have wounded us? And last week, we, we talked about how do we forgive ourselves? How do, how do, we, how do we move on and rem, rem, remember that we've been forgiven, that we've been set free? We don't need to carry around the guilt and the shame and the regret from all the things that we had done in our past, what our past used to look like, because Jesus has done something brand new in all of us. This morning, we're going to talk about what's the next step after that. As, as we've talked about trying to, to forgive, and we've talked about last week about letting go. This morning, I want to talk about what is our next step. You know, when, when we've tried to forgive, when we've tried to let go, what do we do with our baggage then? Like, do we pretend that our past never happened? We, we whitewash it. We never speak of it again. We pretend that it didn't exist. Do, do we write a book? Do we go on... 60 minutes and, and give a, a tell-all airing all of our dirty laundry. You know, like, what do we do with the things of our past? And as I was praying about this morning, I was, I was praying for all of you this morning, there was one person that came back to mind over and over again as I was thinking about this idea of, of embracing our past, embracing our story, not being ashamed of the story that God is writing in our lives. And that would be the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul. Now, the first time that we meet Paul in, in Scripture, the first time he's mentioned is in Acts chapter 7. And, and at this point, Paul is actually known as Saul. He's a, he's a Pharisee, and if, if you know anything about the, the four Gospels, Jesus didn't have many good things to say about the Pharisees. But he, he was like, he was a Pharisee's Pharisee. Like, I, I imagine him, he was kind of like the, the teacher's pet in school that everybody hated. You know, the ones that never had to study and still got straight A's and you like you worked your tail off to get C's. Like that that's who I imagine Paul to be. You know, always trying to be right, always trying to be perfect, you know, getting to hold the hold the door, be the, the line leader, you know, all those types of things. That's who Paul was. Paul was a rule follower. And he did it well. Now, Saul, he, he was a he was a devout, pharisaical Jew, and he had no time and no patience for this new this new sect that had, had risen up, that had popped up. And, and when we first meet Paul, he was actually participating in the murder of the very first martyr of our faith, Stephen. In Acts chapter 7, starting in verse 57, it says, at this, and, and so what actually happened right previous to this, Stephen is actually proclaiming his faith in Jesus and telling everybody, hey, Jesus is the way. And at this, they became incensed. They, they covered their ears. They yelled at the top of their voices, and they all rushed at him, dragging him out of the city and began to stone him. 
Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul. And Saul, a few verses later, Saul approved of their killing. And on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off both men and women and put them in prison. Paul didn't just have philosophical disagreements with this new, this new religion, that, you know, people that called themselves follower of the way. He didn't just have disagreements with them. He violently opposed them. He was throwing them in jail. He, he participated in murder. He, like, he became obsessed with stamping out Christianity. In, in the book of Acts, Paul actually reflects on this a little bit. He, he starts, he, he is sharing his story of what did I used to do? The man that I used to be in Acts chapter 26, starting in verse 9. This is Paul telling his story. He said, I too was convinced that I ought to do all that was possible to oppose the name of Jesus of Nazareth. And that is just what I did in Jerusalem. On the authority of the chief priests, I put many of the Lord's people in prison. And when they were put to death, I cast my vote against them. Like, I, I can imagine Paul sharing this story and saying, there are believers that perished, believers that lost their lives because of me. That's, that, that's what I participate in. Many a time, I went from one synagogue to another to have them punished, and I tried to force them to blaspheme. I tried to get them to deny Jesus. And I was so obsessed with persecuting them that I even hunted them down in foreign cities. Like he, Paul did everything in his power to try to come against the things of God. And in the middle of all of that, God gets a hold of his life. As, as Paul is actually, he's going to a city called Damascus. He was going to go arrest some more believers. And he has this amazing encounter with God. Where he's blinded by this light, he's knocked down to the ground, and Jesus actually speaks to him, and Paul has this amazing conversion experience where God radically changes him in a moment. And, and from this point on, Paul was a changed man. Instead of persecuting the early church, he actually became its biggest advocate. Paul became the greatest missionary ever, like literally going from cities all around the Mediterranean area and planting churches telling people about Jesus. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament that is in your Bible right now. And his teaching, his life, his ministry has impacted billions of people throughout the centuries. He went from this man that did anything he could to stamp out Christianity to being, outside of Jesus, the one person in history who has done more to advance the cause of Christ. Paul definitely had a past. Again, and it was an ugly past, too. He did some awful things. Paul did some things, I guarantee you, he looked back on and wished he could change. But when he became a follower of Christ, like the other apostles, like they were, they were, they were wary. They were very cautious of him. When he came to them and said, oh, you're, you're not going to believe what Jesus did for me, they were like, whoa, 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 Paul, let's pump the brakes a little bit here. Like, it was just not that long ago, you were trying to kill us. We're not going to just, like, let you in. They were, they were skeptical, and, and rightfully so. You know, they, they, 
were worried maybe he was trying to infiltrate their group so that he could arrest or to kill them. But what I find so fascinating, what I love about Paul's, when, when, you, when you read Paul's letters, is that he owns his story. He owns his past. Paul doesn't ever try to pretend to be something that he wasn't. That he'd done some awful things. He had participated in some really heinous things. He doesn't try to sugarcoat it. He doesn't try to pretend that his past didn't happen. He doesn't try to sanitize it, make it sound better than it actually was. He doesn't try to ignore it. No, he wasn't, I guarantee you, Paul wasn't proud of the things in his past. He wasn't proud of the things that he used to do. And he certainly, he didn't celebrate it, he didn't glorify it, but he used every opportunity. And this is the key part about Paul. He used every opportunity he had to share his story, to share his testimony as a testament to the goodness of God. Saying, this is the way I used to be, but look what God has done in my life now. That's how I used to act. That's how I used to behave. That's the man I used to be. But look what God has done in me now. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9, he says, For I am the least of the apostles, and I don't even deserve to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God, but by the grace of God. Man, like... Can we all, like, I mean, isn't that for us? But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace to me was not without effect. Like Paul's saying, I, I, I don't even deserve to be called an apostle. I don't even deserve to be writing this letter right now. But by the grace of God. When he, when he wrote his letter to his young protege, Timothy, he was trying to encourage this, this young pastor in the faith as he was getting ready to, to pastor his own, his own church. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, starting in verse 12, Paul says this. He says, I thank Christ our Lord who has given me strength that he considered me trustworthy, appointing me to his service. Saying, God, God picked me, and I'm so grateful for that. Even though I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was, I was an awful person, I, but I was shown mercy because I acted in ignorance and unbelief. The grace of our Lord was poured out on me abundantly. Thank God for that grace that has been poured out on me abundantly, along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the worst. And catch this last sentence that he shares here. But for that very reason, I was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ Jesus might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. But catch what Paul is saying here in verse 16. He's saying, the reason, the reason I'm sharing this, the reason I'm sharing with you my story is so that others can hear my story and say, if, 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 if God can save a, a wretch like Paul, If God can do such a transforming work and use Paul to advance his causes, surely he can do that for me. Like, what an incredible, beautiful passage. Like, Paul's admitting, I, I was a horrible person. I have a lot of baggage in my past that I am not proud of. 
that I wish I could change. Faithful followers of Jesus were put to death because of me. Like, I have no right, I have no reason to be in this position now. But by the grace of God. But by the grace of God. That's the only reason I'm here. I've done, I haven't done anything to deserve being a father in the early church. That's what, that's what Paul's saying. I, I've not earned it at all. I have no earthly business having my letters being kept and put into the canon of Scripture. Like, I, I have no reason to. But by the grace of God. If you can leave verse 16 up there, Paul says the reason for sharing his story, the reason for owning his testimony, is as for this very reason I have, was shown mercy so that in me, the worst of sinners, Christ might display his immense patience as an example for those who would believe in him and receive eternal life. What Paul's saying is my story isn't just for me. My story is for them. My story is for people who haven't even yet encountered Christ yet. He's like, I'm, I'm owning my story. I'm sharing my story. I'm sharing what God has done for me. So that when they hear that story, they're going to feel encouraged. Those things from his past that he wasn't proud of, that he wished he could go back and change. God was going to use his story to draw people to Jesus. His story was going to draw other people to Jesus. If God can save a man like Paul, a blasphemer, a murderer, and he's been shown grace and he's been shown mercy, well then surely God can do it for me. And I want to encourage, like, what do we do with our past? What do we do with our baggage? There's somebody that needs to hear your story. There's somebody that needs to hear what God has done for you. And, and kind of the, the main point of what I want to share this morning is your story is a blessing. Your story is a blessing to somebody. Like there are people in your life that need to hear what God has done in your life. There, there are people who are going to be blessed. There are people that are going to be encouraged when they hear about the things in your past. But look what God has done in me. Look where I am now. Look what God has done, but by the grace of God. Your story of struggling with alcohol or, or substance abuse and how God has set you free, like there are people that are walking that same road and they need to hear your story. The struggles you've had raising a child with special needs and those times that you've just felt it was too difficult and too hard. And you just say, I didn't sign up for this. There are others who are beginning that journey. And they need to hear your story about how God has seen you through. As imperfectly as it may, it may look, there's people that need to hear your story. Saying, but God, he's going to see us through this. Your story of low self-worth and low self-esteem. Like even if you still struggle, even if you're still working through it, there are others that need your vulnerability and your transparency. Your story of being cheated on by your spouse and they left you. And you wondered, like, am I ever going to find love again? Am I ever going to be able to trust somebody again? Somebody needs to hear your story about how God helped you find love and acceptance. Somebody needs to hear your story. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, Paul writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles so that we may comfort those in any trouble with the same comfort we ourselves receive from God. Do you you hear what Paul's saying here? He's saying, in other words, the troubles that you've had in your life, the things from your past, the hurts, the addictions, the mistakes, the regrets, with the same grace and the same comfort that you have been given to walk through your journey. God wants us to share that same grace and that same comfort with others as they're walking in their journey. God never wastes our pain. Only we do that. God God will never waste our pain. He always has a plan, and He always has a great purpose and a beautiful future future for those who believe in Him, not despite our past, but because of it. We have a story to tell of what God has done in us. And so as we finish this series talking about baggage, God doesn't want to just heal our wounds from our past, though He very much does. We've been talking about that over the last number of weeks. God wants to heal those wounds and those hurts from your past. But that's not the only thing He wants you to do. He wants to use you to help heal others. Your story, the things you've walked through, the things you've experienced, your testimony, what God has done in your life, those moments where you didn't feel like you could make it, but God saw you through, the times where the pain felt so immense and so intense and so overwhelming, but that Jesus healed your heart. Those things from your past that you feel like disqualified you from God's love and God's mercy, and yet here you are today. Like, it's our, it's our responsibility to share those things with others. Je- Jesus had, he had an encounter with a man who was demon-possessed. And Jesus set him free. This was something that happened often in Jesus' ministry, where he encountered somebody who was, who was bound up by something, and Jesus set them free. And in Luke chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, it says, the man whom the demons had gone out begged to go with Jesus. He was saying, Jesus, I, I want to come with you. I, I want to follow you. Right, you, you. You've set me free from this, from all this stuff, this baggage I've had in my past. I want to follow you. But Jesus sent him away saying, return home and tell how much God has done for you. Jesus had a different plan. He had a different story in mind. And so the man went away and told all over town how much Jesus had done for him. This man had a story of what Jesus had done in his life. And he was going to share it. He was going to share it with as many people that were willing to listen. Because there are others that needed that encouragement. There are others in his life that needed hope. And I guarantee you right now, every single one of us in this room, we have people in our lives who need some kind of encouragement, some kind of hope, saying, man, this is what God has done for me. That's who I was. That, that's, my, that's my past. But by the grace of God. Being that encouragement, they need to take one more step just to hold on to a little bit of hope. Now, that doesn't mean we go airing our our dirty laundry to everyone in the world to hear. But we need to be praying. We need to be listening. We need to be thinking about who in my life needs to hear my story. Who can I encourage 
with God's goodness? Who can I invite into my circle and share life with? What is it that Jesus has done for me? What has he set me free from? And how can I be a blessing to those around me? I, I want to encourage you with one final thought this morning. I, I, have, a, I have a pastor friend who's he's really become a, a mentor to me over the last year plus. Um, he planted and pastored a church in Brownsville, Texas. And after 35 years of ministry, he actually just passed the baton to one of his spiritual sons. And, and the church that he planted and, and pastored for decades now is in the hands of, of somebody that he's been encouraging, that he's been pastoring. And, and I can't tell you how much Pastor Bob has, has meant to me over this last year plus. Him and I have had a lot of conversations. We talk on either a weekly or a bi-weekly basis. And, and one of the things I love about him is that Pastor Bob, he never tries to sound perfect. He never tries to act like he has it all together. In fact, one of the things I appreciate so much about him is he is so upfront and honest about the mistakes and the screw-ups that he's had over in all his years of ministry. His verbiage, he said, like, I have a graveyard full of mistakes, of bad decisions, of things I wished I could go and do over again. But he can't. He can't go back and change all those things. And so what does he do? He shares them with me. He doesn't, he doesn't sugarcoat it. He doesn't try to make himself sound better, better or holier than he actually is. And through it all, he shares, man, God's faithfulness every step of the journey. In spite of when I massively blew it in this area, man, God has still been faithful. Like his, Pastor Bob sharing his stories has been a tremendous blessing to me. The, those days where I've just wanted to say, Man, I just, I, I don't know if I can keep doing this. Like hearing how God has blessed him and moved in him in spite of the mistakes and missteps blesses and encourages me. I, w- I want to I encourage everybody in this room. Don't be ashamed of your past. We, we don't have to be proud of everything that we did. But let your past be a testimony of God's goodness. Man, that's what I was. That's who I was. That's what I did but by the grace of God. I had a final thing I'm going to say, and then I'm going to close here. Yesterday at our spring work day, which, by the way, thank you to everybody that came out and participated and helped mulch and, and work and pull weeds. You guys did a great job yesterday. Um, but I had, a, I had a long and a great conversation with Brandy Denny yesterday. And Brandy, she's been a part of our church for a while. And I can't wait for her to be able to come and share her story. She was, she was talking with me about this. And she said, I can't wait to come and share my story, to share my testimony of what God has been doing in my life. And in a couple months, I'm going to have her come up and, and do that with us and share with you what God has been doing in her. You are going to be blessed. You are going to be encouraged by it. And so when we think about the Apostle Paul, Chuck Colson, Pastor Bob Orderman, Brandy, when you think about yourself, your story, your story is a blessing. Your past and what God has done in you is a blessing. And your story might just be what somebody needs to push through, to trust God, to take one more step. And so if you would, just close your eyes and bow your heads. Let me just pray for us as a church right now. And Father, I just thank you, God, so much for your amazing grace. 
God, when, when I think of my life and I think about the lives of people I love and care about, the people I know, and I, and I, and I think about what we used to be like and but what we are now, but by the grace of God, I'm so thankful, God, for what you've done in my life, what you've done in all of our lives. And Lord, I pray, God, that you're going to give us eyes to see and ears to hear, that if there are people in our, in our world, people in our sphere of influence, Lord, that need to hear your goodness, that need, they need to hear our testimony, our story of what you've done in our lives. God, that we would be bold. We, we would be, have courage enough to share that story, knowing that our story is a blessing. Our story is a blessing. We don't, we don't need to be ashamed of the stuff in our past. We might not be proud of it. We don't have to be ashamed of it, though, because your story, or because our past is a story. It's a testament of your goodness. Father, we just thank you, God, so much for what you've done in our lives, Lord. We just love you and celebrate you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Well, we are going to celebrate baptisms in just a, in just a moment here. And I'm, I'm really excited about this. Um, baptisms really are one of my favorite things I get to do and be a part of as a pastor because I get to hear your story. I get to hear the story of what is it that God has done in your life. And not only do I get to hear it, but then we get to share it with everybody, you know, and, and, and that's what we're going to do right now because baptism is a public confession of, of that we've decided to be a follower of Christ, that we've put our faith, we've put our trust in Jesus. Like oftentimes that's a very private moment, but baptism is a time when we can take that private moment and make it public. When we share with everybody, hey, I've decided I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm not turning back. Because baptism is a public confession,